Welcome to the Reggie McNeil Podcast, where we explore what it means to seek God's kingdom here on earth. Join us on our journey to become more aware of and encouraged by God's work in and around us. Hey gang, welcome to this podcast episode. We are so glad today to have Angela McNeil on our podcast. Now she has the last name McNeil and it's even spelled the way that my name is spelled, but we are no relation, or at least she's been able to dodge that affiliation uh, up to this point uh, in her life. So, uh, you know, but we're really glad to have you, Angela. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you, Reggie. It's good to be with you today. And I appreciate you clearing that up up front. I, I forgot we were going to have that question somewhere along the way. Yeah. You know, we've been in some places together and folks are always thinking we're, we're a team and we are a team. Uh, okay. And you, you have uh, uh, just been involved in amazing work. Um, you are the coordinator for uh, a, an emphasis in the South Carolina Baptist Convention called Heart for Schools. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, that. And for those of you who are listening, uh, I, I want you to get the specifics of Heart for Schools in South Carolina. It's a statewide effort um, in a denominational way. It's very specific and, and, and special in that regard. But just be listening for hints of things that strike your own imagination in ways that you can follow up in a very important way in our community. So, Angela, tell, tell us a little bit about Heart for Schools. Sure. Well, we actually began back in 2013 as a reading initiative, and it just was really in the heart and mind of Lee Clamp, who is, is our uh, chief strategic officer now at the South Carolina Baptist Convention. He just had a vision for what it could look like. Um, for churches to, to partner with the school and really have an impact in the lives of students, of teachers, of families. And so they began looking at what that could be just in terms of literacy. And then as, as the ball got rolling, they um, had a couple of pilot churches that began to do some things and that went really well. They could see big changes in lives of students and how they were able to move forward. And so it, Somewhere along in there, they began to just say, okay, this is what Heart for Schools is going to be. They met with the Education Oversight Committee here in South Carolina, part of the South Carolina Department of Education. And the Oversight Committee uh, really was able to give some good guidance in terms of what the best way would be to have the greatest impact. And so they said, hey, if you will do these three things, then you can really make a difference in the lives of people in your community. So the first was uh, through something we call Reading Buddies, and that's some mentoring too, and we can talk more specifics about these later, but uh, right. through Reading Buddies, and then the second way is through teacher support. And the third is something we call Backpack Buddies, but that can be a little misleading. It's really it's food for students on the weekend, those who are food insecure, so a bag that they can take home and have for Saturday and Sunday when there is no food, you know, for school lunches, that type of thing. So, um, you know, it's interesting. You, I think you use the word buckets uh, for this as a <laughs> uh, as a way of, um, of of helping churches that may not uh, automatically have a sense of strategy. They have a heart to do something, but where do they start? And I have found that to be very, very helpful for them to say, hey, here are three buckets you can, you know, pour into or dip out of whatever works for you to, to help move you forward. Um, can you unpack a little bit uh, each of those buckets for us? 
Sure. And I do want to back up and say this, you know, when we go to our schools, one thing that we encourage all of our churches is that when you go and you um, sit down with a principal, you really go just to say, hey, we support what you do. We appreciate what you do. We know your work is difficult and we just we want to support that and help you in any way that we can. And so how can we help you? And so we really begin with the principal's ask of, you know, what are some ways that you think we can help? Because we know they know best, but we do find it's best for the for the churches to be equipped and be prepared mentally when they go in to know there are some specific things. You know, if you know you want to help support teachers, then this is a way you can go. If you you know you've got volunteers who can work with students, this is a route for you. So they already had these things in their mind and then you kind of pick pick from those. But just to unpack those three buckets that we call them, the first bucket is that reading buddy bucket. And the reason that that was so important with the Education Oversight Committee, you know, we know that if a student's not reading on grade level by third grade, they're four times more likely to drop out. Yeah. If, they, if they're in poverty, you add that to the mix, then they're eight times more likely to drop out. Wow. And I taught third grade for uh, eight years. And so I've seen this firsthand. I just know how important that is. You know, bef- first, second, third grade, you're learning to read. But after that, you're reading to learn. Yeah. And so you think about just even the the effects of the pandemic today, this is just what makes it so concerning. Um, Just across the country, I've I've read these same statistics. A lot of students are two grade levels behind. So you think about a fourth grader who is now reading on a second grade level they can't read their science book or their history book or the directions in their math book. And so they're at such a disadvantage. And so wow. we're going to have a ways to go to get back on track yep. with that. Yep. And churches, I mean, this is uh, wow. And individuals, I mean, if you're listening and you're not a church leader, but you're just a, you know, a person of, of that has an interest in helping at school, just volunteering to read. How, how long do your readers, how often do they intersect with the, the students? They go into the school and, and these students are identified so, and they're paired up with the, the volunteers so that you work with the same student all year long for 30 minutes a week. The, that 30 minutes goes by quickly, but you're, you're not going in to teach. You're not going into tutor. You're going in just to be there for that student to say you're important. I believe in you and reading is important to me. I enjoy reading that they, they pick up on that. You think about you've probably read with a, you know, a child or a grandchild. Think about what that feels like. And so it's the same kind of thing. And, you know, you might ask some questions along the way of, well, what do you think is going to happen next? Or what did you like most? Or, you know, just making sure that they also understand what they're reading. But it's a time that's a fun time for them. So 30 minutes a week with a student makes a difference in their self-esteem and it makes a difference in their reading scores. When, they're te- when they test in the spring, their reading scores have come up and, and they're improving. So you, you have data to suggest that uh, this really does help. I mean, it really moves kids up. We do. In fact, one of those uh, th- those pilot churches has really been very strong in their reading buddy work volunteer wise. And, and they've been able to say, hey, and this, these are the statistics and this really makes a difference. Now, we'll say right now during the pandemic, you know, each each semester we think, oh, we're going back. And we have not yet. Yeah. We thought that, you know, we thought January was the time and Omicron has made a difference. Yeah. So we are hoping that, you know, definitely by the fall we'll be able to get back in. But, um, you know, we have to think outside the box, too. What about something outside of school? What about after school programs? What about after school tutoring at your church? What about some summer programs? Because we know so much is lost over the summer. So that we just think outside the box and think, what can we do to really make a difference for these students? You know, you mentioned something too in passing that's so critical. And that is by reading to the same student every week, 
uh, you're developing, you're creating a relationship that really becomes a cradle, doesn't it? That that just holds this um, and and supports the whole learning process for the kid. It does. That consistency is so important, you know, and you hear stories of, you know, they're sitting there. We hear from the teachers, we hear from the principals, they're watching that clock. They are waiting for that person to show up. It's important to them. And some of these students don't have a consistent person in their life, somebody to really pour into them or listen to them. Um, You know, no judgments in that parents are busy. Some, you know, some are just in different situations, but it's a, and it's just a different type of attention. And so it is very important. I have school administrators tell me that uh, engagements like this often provide the only like 30 minutes of positive adult focus on that child, just on that child, 30 minutes of positive focus. Uh, for the, some of these kids, that's that's the biggest dose of that they get all week. And that's that's incredible to imagine. It is it's such an opportunity. I'm just, I'm personally looking forward to, to this. I, I didn't tell you, I, I came into this position, uh, Hartford Schools in 2020 in April when everything shut down. <laughs> and so yeah. I've not been able to go in personally and serve as a reading buddy. I've taught students, I've, you know, I've taught the classroom, I've worked after school with students who are struggling, but I haven't done that as a lay leader, you know, as a, a person coming in as a volunteer. And I am so looking forward to that. Now, what about that teacher support bucket? What are our teacher appreciation or I guess you call it teacher support, right? We do. And teacher support, teacher encouragement. And we we know that teachers are just so important. And so I, I don't have to tell any anybody who's listening to this. I, I know we can probably all think back through probably every grade that we went through, you know, the people that were important to us, that shaped us. It's not just academics. And these teachers just pour so much of themselves into what they do. You know, um, I, they, it's their calling in life there. You know, and they they give so much all day long and then they go home and continue to give it. it honestly, it's tied. I read this in a, a, I think it was a Gallup survey where they compared um, asking people who, what their daily stress was like. And um, teachers and nurses both tied for the number one most stressful profession yep. in the United States. Yep. And so goodness, and we've seen with the pandemic, how much more stress that's been. And I talk with pastors all the time who, who say, oh, my wife is a teacher or my daughter's a teacher and they really get it. So they understand what's going on. I, I, re- I heard on the news not, uh, before Christmas that 200,000 teachers across the country had left since September. Oh, it's, and, it's uh, epidemic. I mean, it's, uh, I'm sorry to use that word, here, uh, it's almost <laughs> pandemic levels uh, with a teacher uh, exit, you know, and, and so many of them are those uh, first and second year teachers. We're really losing them out on the front end. We are. So we really just want to support those teachers. And there's so many ways that we can do that, whether it's something as simple as writing notes of appreciation, sending notes saying, you know, thank you for what you do. I'm thinking about you or having your children in your church write those notes. I had somebody else say that they they went into the school one time and um, had a booth set up for the students to write notes to their teachers. They made sure every teacher had notes from their students. And it meant even more to those teachers just you know, for their, their kids that yeah. they were teaching to do that. But notes of appreciation, things that you can put in the uh, teacher workroom, just in terms of snacks and goodies with a special note saying, hey, we're thinking about you. Um, some churches have been able to even have uh, prayer boxes in schools. Um, I've had a church that actually allows a pastor to come before school and, and meet in a certain place to pray with teachers that want to do that. Um 
a lot of meals. You know, we, we hear about uh, churches that are taking breakfast in so that teachers can um, spend that time together in some fellowship. They don't get that very often. And then taking the time not only to do that, but while they're there to sit down with those teachers and actually get to know yeah. them. They're not just handing something and walking away, but they're developing relationships and getting to know them. And when that happens, oh my goodness, it opens so many doors. We hear so many times that the pastors become the, the chaplains for those schools once those yeah. relationships begin to be developed. Yeah. And those teachers are the gateways to, you know, uh, what's going on in the hearts and the lives of the kids that are under their care. You know, I hear a lot from um, churches that, that do gift cards uh, right. for teachers for a variety of reasons or or even help support. Uh, you know, so many of these teachers are pulling money out of their own pockets uh, for supplies, materials. Um, and, it, it, you know, $100 here, $200 there may not sound like a lot of money, to, but it does if, if it keeps you from having to dip into your own uh, money. So, um, I mean, there's just so many ways that teacher support can happen. And, and you're right, you've been a teacher. So, um, and, and right now in the, the atmosphere we've got in America with so much pressure on public education, and uh, there are so many good teachers that just, you know, I, I don't know of anyone that's ever expired from over-affirmation. So, uh, but I know a lot of folks who've just quit in, uh, from receiving no affirmation. So, that's well, what about that third bucket you mentioned? Well, that is for the students who are food insecure, and we call it backpack buddies. But uh, we know one in six children or one in six families in South Carolina do not have enough food. And so a lot of times when those students come to school, they have breakfast and they have lunch, but they may not have a lot when they go home and certainly not on a long weekend. So you'd have Friday night, Saturday and Sunday. And I want to tell you a quick story. Um, there is a leader in one of our counties here in, in South Carolina who, who made sure that every one of the schools in her county had um, this food for their students. And this is why, because of one story. She said she has a friend who's a nurse and the nurse, um, told her the story. There was a high school student sitting in class, just not seeming like himself, not disruptive, but just not quite who he normally was, not paying attention the way he needed to be. So she sent him to the nurse. And she said that as the nurse sat there and talked with him for a little while, he didn't want to admit it to start with. It took a while to have the conversation, but here's a high school student who had not eaten all weekend, literally. Oh my gosh. And she wow. said, you know, when she figured that out, not only that, she was heartbroken in that as it was, but it was Easter. And you know, what do we do as Christians Whoa. on Easter weekend? You know, we feast. We yeah. feast and there's yeah. leftovers and there's plenty and bounty. And so mm. it broke her heart. And so she called a party and she said, hey, we've got to do something. And all these churches came together. And now every single school in that county has a church who partners with them. Maybe several churches that may work together for a school, but they make sure that those kids get a bag of food. And so when I say a backpack, you're not literally handing a backpack. You're you're right. working through a guidance counselor or a social worker. They identify the students and you take a bag, whether I'm, you can kind of picture like a gallon Ziploc bag yeah. that might have 10 to 12 items, things like Chef Boyardee, um, you know, granola bars, oatmeal packs, things that they can open up and, and, and do really easily. But it just, it, they go home not worried about, hey, I might not have anything to eat. And, huh. and we hear stories of how they share that with family too. And so it is a huge help for those families. Well, and a few of my clients uh, who are engaged in, in this you know, food you know, the backpack program similar, have even gotten uh, to a place with uh, the school system where they're allowed to 
collect prayer requests as those uh, from the kids, you know, as a reciprocal uh, work. I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. amazing what doors that opens once we serve. Huh? Right. I mean, you yes. know, what, what an idea. I mean, I don't know who came up with this, but. Yeah, let's just show care. Yeah, yeah. So you started in 2020, and I remember working back there way in the beginning with Lee um, as uh, he was dreaming and thinking about this before you came on. And in those early days of just, you know, how could we get somebody interested in this? And uh, so I, I think it's pretty remarkable where you've come to now. I mean, tell us your coverage, your your number of partnerships, whatever, number of schools you're working with. Well, it's really exciting. And I, I tell you, God has just done incredible things this year, just as people hear on the news, you know, and hear the hear the worries and they hear what's going on in their own churches. I think it's open doors of opportunity for people to see. But um, right now we have 394 schools that have partners and 341 churches that are providing that, that service and that care. Now, I will say, I'm going to throw in another number that makes it confusing, and I just like to keep up with this number, but um, we have over 543 partnerships, but the reason I, I say that is because some of our schools will have two, three, maybe even right. four churches who partner with them, so a lot of partnerships going on, but yeah. um, 394 schools. Now we have 1,275 in our state. So. I was going to ask you, put that in <laughs> against the constellation of need. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, we're almost a third there, you know, but we, we've got a ways to go. Um, but I just, I'm praying and believing that churches are going to hear this need. And that's what I see when I get to go out and talk with people and go to associations and regions and just say, these are the needs and this is the opportunity. And honestly, here's an invitation that's been given by Molly Spearman in saying the faith community can come in and do this. She's the superintendent of education for the state. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So, you know, when you hear that, people hear that, they do tend to respond. And so I'm just praying that people will respond and we will just have more and more who will uh, decide to go meet with their principal and say, hey, how can we help? Well, Angela, um, what kind of I want to say uh, obstacles, challenges, whatever. Let me let me frame it this way. What do you find are uh, roadblocks in the way of calling God's people? You know, churches. I mean, I'm thinking there are how many how many schools in South Carolina? Uh, tw- how many did you say? Well, one thousand two hundred seventy-five. Yeah, so approaching thirteen hundred schools. That's that's all. Uh, that's primary, secondary. That's across the board. Yeah. Yes. And and you have more churches than that, even in one denomination. I mean, you, your right. denomination has over 2000 churches. So we have more churches and schools. And so, you know, you think, gosh, this is just a this is an easy one. I mean, you know, even if we just stayed within our own little clan. Um, and of course, there are other tribes, uh, you know, Methodist, Episcopalian that are doing things. And some of them are working with uh, Baptist churches locally and all that. So. But I guess I'm getting to the point, what do you find, what is it that's so hard or do you have to overcome in order to call God's folks out to play on this? I can think of a couple of things. One thing I think is people just feeling a little bit overwhelmed and thinking my church is too small. I can't do that. Um, You know, and I I talk with people say, well, you know, a lot of our pastors are bivocational. They have small congregations that are already doing a lot, but I will say some of our smaller churches are even doing the most, you know, let me tell you a church that with only 30, 35 people, we have somebody, I have an advisory team, a group that meets together to, you know, to work and plan and help push us forward. And somebody on this advisory team is a lay leader. 
They have 35 people in their church. He went back and, and led a training, much like the one that you know we, we did back in the fall and, and told his whole church about everything to do with Heart for Schools. Got them all invested and involved. And now they have a committee that meets once a month. Ten of those work together and they just plan, hey, what can we do as 10 people to make a difference in this in this community? They're, they're partnering with several schools. And so it doesn't matter. You don't have to plan to spend thousands of dollars. It's about the relationships and about just saying, I see you and I care. Yeah, <laughs> How it, can we support you? Yeah, it costs nothing to read to a child. I mean, That's you right. know, literally zero dollars. Uh, even if you think uh, you can't feed somebody or you can't, you know, give a gift certificate to a, you know, a teacher, but you can read for free. Uh, and, and how about, um, you know, you, you talk about pastors, you talk about churches, how about just individuals that may be listening uh, to, to, to this, what, and, and suddenly they feel like, you know, I, I need to do something, I can help here. What, what do they need to do? What's their best strategy? I think the same thing. I think you still go to the principal or if you have a relationship with someone in the school and, and um, you know, maybe it's the church, I mean, the church, excuse me, the, the school secretary or assistant, maybe it's the guidance counselor, but you just have that conversation and say, how can I help? And, you know, I, I know that there will be opportunities to go in and to, to mentor. Um, there are times that students just need a, a buddy to come in and have lunch with them once a week or once a month to again, be that consistent person or to be a reading buddy. And there are teachers that could use the support just in terms terms of um, helping do things in the classroom. Um, one thing that, that teachers really appreciate, something called duty-free lunch, you know, where they don't have to sit with their class and yeah. they get 30 minutes to go and think and breathe by themselves yeah. and then come back recharged and rejuvenated. And so it's a great time for a volunteer to go and enjoy being with a classroom that they don't get to be with. So, you know, after when, when we can get back in, volunteer right. it's a great way to do that. Um, I will say, too, something that I've learned in the last few months is the importance of school improvement councils. Mm. Every school has a school improvement council, and their purpose is to, um, you know, look at, at what needs to happen in the school and work together to, to do that, even to involve other community groups and bring people in. And they always, you know, they want to have parents, they want to have, you know, people from the school, but they, they have to have several community people. It's required. And so if we could go in, even as a volunteer and be part of a, a school improvement council, we can hear the needs firsthand. And then we can be the person to say, hey, well, how can we help with this? Or how can I go round up some more help with some other people? So a lot of opportunities for individuals. Angela, how important um, is it that, um, that volunteers, when we do volunteer, either as a, from an organization or even individually, uh, that we stick with it. I mean, that we really uh, hang in there. Uh, I mean, how important is that? Oh, it's so important. You know, we, we just, if we, it'd be like putting a bandaid on just to walk in and hand a meal and walk off, you know, we yeah. just really want to be there to, to build relationships, but we want to say that those people are important. And if we walk away, I think people give up. You know, yeah. I, I think we, we may do more harm than good, you know. Yeah. Um, well, it, it, the reason I ask this is this is the biggest complaint I get from school administrators mm. when I talk to them about volunteers from the, there, there are two things that always come up uh, that they say. One is, yeah, the fecklessness uh, or, or feckleness or whatever that word is, the, the, the fact that people will promise and not deliver or right. they'll deliver for a month and then they're scarce and they don't know what happened. 
Mm-hmm. And the second thing that they say, which is always challenging, is that, you know, um, it puts more work on the teachers to work with a volunteer. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so they just feel like they're overwhelmed already. So figuring out how to be helpful without adding to the burden, you know, and, and again, I think by showing appreciation and all that, that can that can really uh, give us that entree that doesn't, you know, that we can overcome that uh, uh, timidity or temerity on the part of leaders, uh, school officials that might not want to, you know, risk it with us. Mm-hmm. You know, we always say uh, under promise and over deliver. Yeah. And then I, I encourage our pastors when we talk about building those relationships, just to be sure, you know, even as you, you know, you may come in that beginning of the year, you may have been asked to do something, you do that one thing, but just call at least once a month, if not more, let's, yeah. let's try more than that, but at least once a month with you're really connecting with that person saying, I'm still here. What else can I do? What's yeah. next? You know, how can we look forward and dream together? So just being consistent is so important. Well, Angela, what do you see as the, you know, I'm, I'm titling this uh, a trio of, of um, podcast kingdom sightings. And uh, how do you see what you're doing and what the folks are in, in Hartford schools, that whole effort? What, what's the kingdom connection for you? Oh, my goodness. You know, we talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus. And I think we use that real loosely. But oh, my goodness, to go, to go into a school and really say, I care about you and do something about it. You know, when I began with Heart for Schools, I started, um, I I was reading through the New Testament and and over and over again, I just kept seeing the words, Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion, just kept jumping out at me. And I think it's so important for us to see. And um, part of that kingdom work to me is recognizing the need that's there and then doing something about it. Jesus didn't just see, he took that next step. Uh, and, and, you know, and we when we do that, I think, too, about the lives of these students, I think God has a plan for each one of them, you know, right. and they have such great potential within them. And so for us to do something to help them to live up to that potential, knowing yep. that we're all created in God's image and that he has things and plans for them. Um, I, I see all that as part of that kingdom work. Yeah. Well, you know, I like to talk about the kingdom as uh, life, as God intends, and that's exactly what you're saying here. God has great intentions for every one of those students uh, and every one of uh, the folks that are listening on our podcast today, every volunteer, you know, every teacher and and minister, everybody uh, Mm -hmm. is on God's radar and God's scope, and so helping people live, as you say, live up to or live into the dream that God has for them, for what their life can be. I mean, it just doesn't get better than that if we're able to partner with God in in that kind of effort. I mean, that's, in fact, I had a friend uh, text me this morning. He's going through some stuff, um, and he said, isn't uh, isn't Jesus the main uh, passion and center of our lives? I called him immediately, and I said, well, yes, of course, but I will say Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. And I mean, Jesus is the point of, of, of our faith of Genesis, but what he came to show us and point us to the kingdom. So all of these efforts uh, just make us co-conspirators with God and helping to answer the prayer for his kingdom to come. Angela, what you're doing is so great. It's so fabulous. 
I just appreciate your taking time today to share a bit with us about uh, what you're seeing going on. I hope it encourages some listeners to, to get out there and, and go be a kingdom collaborator today. So thanks so much. Well, thank you, Reggie. I appreciate the opportunity to share. You bet. All right. Talk to you later.